project that I'm most passionate about is a project that, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to discuss later, The Unexpected, which is a, a short film specifically on uh, organ harvesting. And I was in post-production heavy on that, you know, this last year, this time. And uh, yeah, now, now it's going to be a feature movie. Hey, Nick Nenton here, and thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. I want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of this show on YouTube. So before we continue, be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos. You'll have the option to be notified for occasional videos or all of them. If you're on your phone, just go into your settings and switch on notifications. Thanks for watching. All right. Hey, everybody. Nick Nanton here. Welcome back to Now to Next. Uh, glad to be here with you today. Got a friend of the podcast and uh, one you might recognize from some other posts I've shared and other things recently, but uh, we'll we'll go ahead and just do the formal welcome to uh, Remy Adelike. Well, uh, Remy, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Always an honor. Blessing to be with you, brother. <laughs> Good times, man. Good dude. You've been up to a ton, man. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Remy is a former Navy SEAL, writer, actor. Recently added director to his credentials. He's got some cool podcast stuff going on as well. Remy, we're going to talk a lot about your new movie, The Unexpected, and how people can uh, support that. But, man, tell us a little bit about the last year in your life, dude. It looks like it's been absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah the last year has been crazy. I, uh, you know, man, going back, I last year this time, I was in Puerto Rico shooting a movie with uh, Lionsgate and Gerard Butler called The Play, and that movie's going to come out this January. And then I uh, got picked up to do this unscripted show called Who Dares Wins in the UK. So we shot that. That's out now. And then that show got picked up in the, in the U.S. version for Fox. So we shot that already in Jordan. That's going to air this upcoming January. And uh, But the, the project that I'm most passionate about is a project that, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to discuss later, The Unexpected, which is a, a short film specifically on uh, organ harvesting. And I was in post-production heavy on that, like, you know, this for last year this time. And uh, yeah, now, now it's going to be a feature movie. So, yeah. I'm super excited for you. Well-deserved on that. Tell me real quick, too, just so people don't miss it also. Uh, I got to catch it on a plane the other day, the ambulance. Uh, you were also oh, an ambulance, one of the main operators in, you know, in the police yeah. force. It was pretty cool to see you on the screen. Uh, yeah. How long ago did that film? I mean, it just it came out not that long ago, but I'm sure it was a while ago you filmed. Yeah, we shot that, uh, uh, man, about a, almost two years ago. Uh, in January 2021, and uh, that was a fun ride. We shot that up in LA. I played an undercover cop, first time playing a playing an undercover. I'm typically playing military roles, so that was a cool right. experience. And that came out, you know, I think February this year. It's it's done pretty well. And, but yeah, you know, another Michael Bay film, man. It was a wild ride, but it was fun. <laughs> I love it. And obviously you've learned a lot from being around some of the best in the business from actors to directors. Yeah. One thing that scares me as a director is directing yeah. actors because yeah. it's, Ooh, like I always tell people, cause people often call me about doing a scripted project and I'm like, yeah. here's the deal. Yeah. Che good, cheap actors are impossible to find. <laughs> That's yeah. just not happening. If yeah. you want someone to act, you're going to have to pay for it. Cause yeah. bad acting ruins everything. All right. Yeah. So, you decide that you want to do, you, you want to direct your first short film. Yeah, you yeah. start thinking about the, the topic. Um, tell me about some of the topics, maybe if you considered other topics or you instantly knew you want to dive right into organ harvesting. Yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely did consider another uh, project, a project from a screenplay that I, I wrote. Um, that project is called The Chameleon. 
uh, espionage thriller. It ended up getting picked up by a big producer, and then it ended up getting picked up as a book series with HarperCollins, William Burrow. So that was initially um, the project that I was hoping to be my first project. But you know, after working with you and uh, other groups in the human trafficking space, I mean, the, the big turn for me came in 2018. I went down to uh, uh, Haiti and, and uh, DR or OUR, which we are familiar with, and uh, that was an eye-opening experience for me. And I, I just remember I was walking down this slum, this particular slum in the DR where the parents would sell their children, to tra their daughters specifically, to traffickers who would traffic, who would take them up to the north of DR to have sex and, and essentially be raped by, you know, Westerners who would pay for sex services. And I remember um, this guy, as I was walking down this slum, he pulled me into this chapel that was no bigger than the size of maybe three toilet stall, stall, stalls. And at the end of the chapel was a, a baby in a casket, a six month old baby. And uh, um, the guy explained to me that the baby died because the mother didn't have enough enough uh, food. She wasn't getting enough food and, and sustenance herself to produce milk. So she was able to get some formula and mix the formula with the local bad water because the water in this slum was pretty bad. And that's what ultimately ended up killing the baby. And what this liaison was trying to explain to me was he was trying to help put me in the headspace because I couldn't understand how a parent could sell their child. And he was trying to put me into the headspace of the parents and show me that they're utterly desperate um, in their minds. You know, it's like either I sell my daughter so my other two kids could survive or I don't, and all my kids die. And, you know, that it's, it was still hard for me to understand as a parent myself having four children. Um, right. But, you know, that kind of began to get the wheels turning in my head. How can I do more? Because I can go, or you are, land and rescue. We could all go and, and rescue the 200, 300 kids in a month, but there's going to be 200, 3,000 more, not just kids, but men, women, and children that are going to need rescuing as well. So when I got back from that trip, in interestingly, I had these voicemails from Michael Bay's producing partner, Mike Case. And he was like, Randy, where have you been? Like, we've been trying to get a hold of you. Michael Bay starting his new movie at the time, this movie was Six on the Ground. He was like, we want you to be the lead consultant on it. And it was at that moment that those two worlds collided, which was crazy. It was like, here I have this horrific thing that I just saw. Here I'm working in the film business. How can I merge these two ideas to essentially create a psyop type operation? Because, you know, as we know, in the military, we do these PSYOP operations in order to educate the public so that they can help, you know, get on our side a little bit more, you know, win the hearts and minds. So in my mind, I was like, why don't I try to do that through a film and, and educating? So that's kind of how it all kind of came together. That was the beginning stages of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, obviously in any way, shape or form, trafficking is completely wrong, right? It's, it's, it's wrong at the most base level of humanity. It's, it's spiritually wrong. I mean, just every way, shape and form. However, um, I don't think many of us have ever experienced what some of these people experience who, who decide quite frankly, that that's their best option. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I don't, that's not fun or pleasant to talk about, but I think it's, I think it is um, very important that, we think through some of these things because it's it's a complicated issue. Yeah, um, yeah. There's certainly lots of um, it, again, it is at the base level absolutely wrong. Number two, there's a lot more egregious levels of people just 
taking advantage of other people. But man, it just, I don't want people to forget that there are places in this world where a mother has to make a decision whether to sell a child in order to feed the rest of her children. Like that's what I want you to get still wrong. Yes. But, but think about the fact that most of us are sitting here in an air conditioned room with great internet with, you know, I'm drinking Fiji water. My wife calls it bougie water. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, there, and look, I'm, I'm so thankful. I get to do what I do. I know you are as well. Um, it doesn't mean that I need to go live that way, but it does mean I should at least be conscious of it and, and constantly be asking myself, like, based on the situations, and this is my wording of it, you guys word it however you want, based on the situation God's put me in, what is my responsibility to those around me and others in the world? In in many cases, by the way, it's honestly just checking on a neighbor. It's not, you don't have to go to Haiti. Like how many of us have checked on a neighbor and worried about them? Like, like it could just be that. And I say just because that seems so simple. One of my favorite axioms is everything easy to do is equally easy not to do. And most of the time we just don't do them like the simple things. So it doesn't have to be this. However, I will say, um, Going to Haiti also with, you know, Tim Bowd, Operation Underground Railroad, it changed my life. I mean, I have been, I've been to Guatemala, I've been to uh, Acapulco, Mexico with my kids, the second most dangerous city in the world. I've been now to, after that, I've been to Iraq with Tim. I've never seen a place like that, dude. Haiti is a crazy, crazy place. And I, I happen to have the fortune of being there the day that Trump called it, you know, whatever he called it. Right. And so I'm like, Oh my God. But he, it's hard to argue with, but that's a, that's a tough place. That's a really tough issue. Um, so trafficking, obviously, you know, my new film, uh, coming out November 3rd, uh, in theaters of fathom event, 678 theaters. If you guys haven't heard called it's happening right here. One of the things that I, one of the reasons I was driven to make that film is after making a few films with OUR people at church and friends and kids, parents at school of my kids would be like, they would ask me what I was working on. They said, Oh my gosh, that's so sad. That's happening in Haiti and Colombia and Mexico. And I just said, it's happening right here. So many times I like had to make the film and the film really is about how trafficking is so different than what you think it is now. Not that, not that people don't get kidnapped, not that there's not snatch and grabs, but like mo- a ton of it is digital. I think most of it is digital these days. And we, and we cover a lot of that now in the same vein, um, organ harvesting is a really hard thing to wrap your head around. Like, how would that even happen? We've all heard the urban legend of the being left in the bathtub with one kidney missing with a a cell phone next to us. Like, I don't think, I know I haven't had any firsthand experience with it other than working on a couple ops things for, with OUR side. I mean, tell, tell us about how, what this really is, how it really works. And then we'll talk more about the unexpected, your movie, but by the way, when, how are people going to be able to see the movie? Just give a tease for that. Like what's the best way to support you right now? Yeah. So we're going to release the movie on YouTube. Just keep it simple. Uh, We had an opportunity to uh, to release it on a a distributor, which we got paid and all of that, but with that, then people are going to have to pay to watch it. And we didn't, we just want this message to get out there to the world. So we're just dropping it on YouTube on uh, September 30th. Um, And 
people will be able to watch it on my YouTube channel, Remy Adeleke. All they have to do is either search my name or search um, The Unexpected, which is the title of the film, and, and it, it should pop up. Um, on our YouTube channel now, we've also been releasing some promo interviews with some of the cast and producers so people can get up to speed with, with, with this project and what it's about. So that's, uh, that's the best way to be able to right, see September it. September 30th, we, we will share that. And it's I've seen it. It's great. Um, make yeah. sure you watch it. Make sure you share it. And what I yeah. love about it, Remy, it is a really important topic that's hard to talk right. about. So great. Yes. Good on you for making some entertainment around it. So it's like it opens a discussion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tell us what, what organ harvesting really is and uh, sort of the ways it happens. Yeah, so, this, so I'll start off with the way it happens. It happens in three different ways um, based off of all my research, what I've seen, what I've done over the last few years. One, there are people who, as we touched on, they're just so desperate. Um, that they're willing to give up a kidney or, and, and, you know, or give up a child to give up specific organs or give up a family member. For example, Egypt is considered the organ harvesting capital of the world. And the people in there, in, in Egypt, a lot of people in Egypt live in abject poverty. There's a lot of migrants who migrate, migrate from other parts of the world to Egypt for better opportunities. And there's a tons of documentation of people who are poor who have sold uh, kidneys or other organs in order to just try and get a step up or get a better opportunity. In fact, in 2016, um, a clinic was raided and 45 people were detained, arrested, who were part of this organ harvesting ring. Uh, of the 45, the majority of them were doctors and nurses, which is another another aspect of the organ harvesting ring. People think that it's a bunch of idiots in a back room who, you know, cut somebody up and don't know what they're doing. A lot of the people involved in this are people with, you know, very well-documented, uh, established resumes in the medical field, um, along with the 45 people that were detained, millions of dollars were detained. So uh, you do have the people who are, you do have the victims who are desperate. Um, and But the, the, the second facet that I'll touch on are the people who are tricked. For example, there's a story out of India, um, and uh, all of these stories that I'm touching on, all you gotta do is just Google India organ harvesting or Google uh, Cairo or Egypt, or, and this is not stuff that, that that's a wise tale, or like you said, the person that wakes up and, and all that stuff is a fairy tale. This is, these are all actually well-documented cases. Um, there was a woman in India who was in the low caste system, and it, it, you know she got this email one day uh, from this person in New Delhi that said, hey, if you come here to New Delhi, we have a job opportunity for you, we'll pay for your travel. She traveled to New Delhi. Um, uh, she was put in an apartment. The trafficker who, you know, who said he was an employee, the employer um, told her when she got there, you need to go uh, get a doctor. You have to have a doctor's checkup tomorrow. She goes to the clinic the next day. The only thing that saved her life was the fact that she was attentive. After she got undressed, she heard the nurse say to the doctor uh, in, in a different room, hey, this is a girl that's going to be giving up these specific organs. She got dressed before we get out of there. She reported the, uh, the, the clinic and her employer to the police. The police were able to uncover a multi-million dollar organ harvesting ring that had been going on for years. So that's the second facet. The third facet, so you have the people who are willing to give up organs. And, and just to touch on that as well, there's a story out of uh, out of Costa Rica where an Israeli broker, um, he was uh, having Israelis come from Israel to Costa Rica matching those uh, people who needed kidneys with uh, poor Costa Ricans who needed money, right? And and that whole freaking organ harvesting ring got uh, got uncovered and exposed. So you got the willing participants, which still doesn't make it legal and okay because these traffickers are preying right. on the desperation right. of the people. Right. Uh, then you have those who are tricked, and then you have 
people like in my story um, and, and where, you know, people who are detained or captured or, you know, taken hostage and, you know, their organs are trafficked, their organs are, are taken out and sold on a black market. For example, I interviewed a guy three weeks ago. I'm going to be releasing his interview um, next week. I'm going to do a teaser video next week. He was trafficked from Venezuela to Colombia to Mexico. How did he end up getting there? There were pamphlets, the cartel, um, traffickers, gangs, other nefarious figures, what's happening on the Mexican borders. They're creating these fake travel agencies, right? And they're essentially luring people, not just people from South America, but people from all around the world to this particular part of Mexico and saying, we will help to get you into the United States, right? So this particular guy, I won't mention his name, and we blurred out his face for the interview. He began, he was, he was lured to Mexico with this fake travel and by this fake travel agency said, just come here to this place in Mexico, we'll get you a job and then we'll get you into America. He gets to Mexico, make a long story short, he's essentially, you know, thrown into the back of a car, stabbed, uh, beat up, driven to another location, thrown in the trunk of the car, in the trunk of the car with three girls that were duct taped. They were all, all driven to a mansion in Mexico. When they got to the mansion, the mansion was filled with like a hundred people. The, uh, the, the, um, the men were used for labor. And after, uh, and after a certain amount of time, they were ordered to call family members in America and told that if those family members paid $9,000, that they would be, they would be essentially allowed to get they would be trafficked. They would be moved into the U.S. As soon as the men paid the nine thousand dollars, they were executed. The women were used for sex trafficking, uh, and the kids were used for a variation of organ harvesting and or drug smuggling. Right. So the kids are essentially to the trap to the cartel. They're easy. To, they, they're easy. They're not as screen as the adults, right? And they were moved in. Some of the kids, um, and this is something that's been going on for a long period of time. I remember uh, meeting with uh, Border Patrol and he showed me page pictures of uh, a baby that had been cut open and packed with drugs. And uh, 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 the baby was swaddled and the baby was dead. And, and that vehicle was crossing to the border. The dog sniffing, or the dog, whatever they call him, the canine that, that smells for drugs, you know, smelled the car. It was like, the dog was like, there's drugs somewhere in this car. And come to find out the baby didn't wake up and they checked the baby, realized the baby was dead, the drugs were in the baby. So that was another another way that uh, uh, the people were used. So again, that's, that's where, that's another facet where people are essentially detained and said, hey, you're going to be used that's the facet that my film touches on you know people who are taken under their will and essentially forced to you know give up organs to die wow yeah one thing i've learned again getting into this work i mean both of us were introduced to it you know really by tim ballard know you are you know one thing i've realized is um there are many there are many facets of ways that any sort of trafficking or organ harvesting can happen but really where the majority of it happens is is the most vulnerable people Yes. And so, you know, I, I recently I'm working on a project right now that, that starts in the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and during I learned this from from Tim during times of, you know, war, uh, natural disaster, any time of just absolute uh, desecration where things are really brutal and people are really, uh, really vulnerable. Traffickers call that harvest time. 
that's the time they can go harvest people because they can talk someone who's desperate into just about anything. Oh, come with me. I'll help you do this. Or we're covering a story of Venezuelan girls who were lured to the Dominican Republic for, for hospitality jobs. Right. And they, same thing. They were trafficked. Their passports were taken. They were then put in, you know, you can work your way out of this, but every night you stay that they're in prison, they're saying they're adding to their bills. They're basically making it so they can't get out. And so, but it, it is people who, you know, a police officer, I think one's a lawyer, a teacher, people who left because they couldn't make money in Venezuela to feed their families. So they're like, all right, I'll go do this. And you know, when someone, it, when you look back, it definitely looks too good to be true, but like, that's really easy to look back and say that. And when you're in a vulnerable state where you really don't know what's coming next, how I'm going to feed my family, how, you know, there's no work in Venezuela right now. It's hard to get food. Like, like you, I would have probably taken the opportunity. I wouldn't have seen that it looked too good to be true. It's like you, you maybe, maybe this is the time that I'm just going to get, maybe I'm, someone's helping me out here, you know, and it's brutal, man. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I think it's really important for people to understand that as well. Desperation of, of, of not just, you know, you got the victims who are sometimes desperate. You have the traffickers, which are definitely, you have to be desperate to, to, to carry out such an evil atrocity. And then you have the, the, the people who are receiving the organs as it relates to organ harvesting. We know that, that, that a clean heart and a clean lung, lung can go for, can start, just starts at $130,000 on the black market. Um, we know that a liver and kidney uh, is a little bit under $100,000. And we know that corneas can go for about $30,000. So if we take a, a human body, just the average human body, right? You know, we could just say conservative that, conservatively that that body could be worth somewhere around five hundred thousand dollars uh so which makes it more lucrative for a trafficker nowadays and safer because think about it when there's with sex trafficking you know there's the risk of of a john being an undercover ngo or john being an undercover cop there's a risk of competition there's a risk of the girl getting sick and dying and and how long will it take a trafficker to make that kind of money you know, it's going to just offer one girl as it relates to just sex. So it's like it's 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 more lucrative. It's safer. And case in point, you know, there's a story out of I'm sure you know this story well. There's a story out of Dallas um, this past June. A girl, she was um, went to the Dallas Mavericks game, got up, went to the bathroom, uh, never came back. Her dad went looking for her, couldn't find her. Security, everybody couldn't find her. The cops wrote, came, finally came and wrote it off as hey, she's just a runaway. Um, father got home, spoke to his wife, and he was like, this is not our daughter. We know that she wouldn't run away. So he ended up finding a, uh, a, a nonprofit that focuses on human trafficking. And the guys within this nonprofit were veterans, and they were able to find her on a dark way. Like weeks later, come to find out she was trafficked. She was moved to another part of town or another city, and she was being raped and, and sold. And uh, they were able to c- carry out a sting where she was rescued. Um, um, and all the traffickers, not all the traffickers, but the number of the traffickers that were at that house were at the game. And so, again, it's safer for traffickers right now because they're desperate. They can make more money and they can get away. I mean, because you take a body, sell the organs, burn the body, you know, nobody knows, right? Um, person just disappeared. So it's just one of those things now where everybody is absolutely desperate. And as it relates to organ harvesting, people don't realize that, especially unhealthy people don't realize that, you know, it's, it's always going to be a whole lot of people who need organs. And there's only yeah. going to be so, many, so, but so many few people who can give organs. 
4,000 Americans die every year because they, they, they didn't get a kidney in time. And so healthy people like me and you, like that's something that's hard for us to understand because we don't need a kidney. We're not dealing with a situation right. where right. your heart, I, I, I spoke at a funeral about three weeks ago and, and uh, of a 20 year old kid who died in a car accident and he was a donor and his heart, you know, went to a girl who was 25, saved her life. His lungs went to a guy who was 27, saved his life. And then his kidneys went to two other people that, and that saved their lives. And I bring that up to say that the people who were the number of people that who were on the list just for that heart was long. Same thing with the lungs, same thing with the kidneys, right? And so, you know, when you get people who are desperate, the actual the people who are paying for these organs, and not and, and some of these people like I portray in the film, they don't know where these they're not they don't necessarily know that these organs are trapped. They just think that they're dealing with a company or an organization that's gonna help speed up the process, but they're desperate as well. And when you have a kid that's dying, you'll, you'll be willing, whether you're an American or whatever, or you'll, you'll be willing to pay whatever it costs to get that organ so your child or your loved one can survive. So the desperation factor doesn't just relate to the people who willingly, you know, give up an organ, but it also relates to the, the traffickers themselves, which there's no justification there, but also the people who are receiving these organs. And that's just as it relates to organ harvesting. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's crazy too. I mean, in some you know some villages and cities in different places around the world, I mean, obviously, trafficking, also you know, drug trafficking. I think people just a lot of kids grow up in these environments, and that's yeah. that's what's normal, or that's that's how you become a made man. That's I mean, that's and so I mean, there's a lot of again a lot of complex issues around this, and a lot of times the you know um, lower level and sometimes upper level law enforcement and government are in on it sometimes too, because sometimes they're yeah. getting paid off to you know to just look the other way so it's a it's a complicated thing um tell me so the unexpected is coming out september 30th uh, yeah. i want everyone to share it on youtube i, I love that you brought that up because people ask me all the time like but nick how are we going to get distribution i'm like there's different reasons to do different things clearly but if distribution is all you're after all you gotta do yeah. is say go to y-o-u-t-u-b-e.com and say thank you but i want to give something to the world for free by tomorrow I can yes. do it. I mean, they'll exactly. translate it. They'll, they will literally do everything. Yeah. However, I understand if you need to make your money back, you're like there's there's different alternatives based on what you what you need to happen. But yeah. YouTube is a beautiful thing, man. It's a, it's a great yeah. place to distribute. I mean, we we distributed Operation Two Saint originally on Amazon Prime, and yeah. so a lot of people could watch it. But Tim called me one day and said, "Hey, Nick, there's people all across the world looking to you know looking to watch this. Like, how could we do it?" I'm like, "Do you want it tomorrow?" He's like, yes. I'm like, well, you want to give it away for free? He's like, absolutely. I'm like, click, you know? And now I don't even know how many views we have on that now, but I mean, it's, it's hundreds of thousands. And uh, YouTube's a beautiful thing. Tell me this, what did you, what did you learn doing this? I think uh, one of the greatest teachers is action, right? And, uh, and you know that better than most. What, was there anything that didn't go though? I mean, you've seen some of the best. You've obviously learned yeah. as you've gone. You didn't you didn't do what a lot of people do and just I'm gonna direct something and you don't have a clue how to do anything, which is yeah. dangerous. You'll learn yeah. a lot, but it's dangerous. Yeah. What did yeah. you learn and what maybe didn't didn't work the way you thought? What went better than you thought? Tell me about the experience. Uh, and yeah, pull up a chair, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the big thing is, you know, the biggest lesson that I learned is the importance of your team and picking the right team. And, you know, not being a tyrant and saying, hey, this is how things are going to be. The ability to get to be able to delegate to certain people and trust that you hire them and they're going to be able to do the job. 
Like that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned. And, uh, you know, and, and it's something that I did, you know, while I was on set, but, but it, it just, that was the biggest lesson that I learned. As far as a, a, another lesson, you know, get it all on the page, get it all on the page, because especially if you're a first time writer or director, you know, it's like, I, I, I love being a writer director. I, I, I can't imagine, you know, getting a script and say, and then having to like direct that, especially early on in my career. Um, but, you know, directing on a page as much as you can. Uh, so that that way, when you get on set, you're prepared, you know, having a good shot list, like all of that stuff was something that like, I kind of had an idea about, but in application that saved me tons of time, heartache and pain. Um, the ability to be flexible, you know, and, 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 you know, that, that was another lesson, you know, I wanted to be able to shoot in one location, but, uh, for a specific scene, but I come in, I had to break it up into two different locations. So we had to find something on the fly, you know, there's a scene, I won't mention what it is, uh, but there's a scene where we couldn't get a restaurant in time. So we had to shoot in a, a specific location. It wasn't a restaurant. So the, the ability to adjust movement at the end of the day, again, hey, now, now I know I said the biggest lesson. I'm going to say what the biggest, biggest learning lesson for me coming out of it now that trumps what I said earlier. Directing is leadership. And that kind of ties to what I said. But it, all it is, is being a leader of people, being a servant leader, being able to communicate your, 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 your plans and ideas to the people who are, who are working for you, um, and being able to make a decision, especially when you're in the middle of a storm and everything is going haywire you got to make this get this shot before you lose the light it's it's all leadership you know at the end of the day if you're a good leader in my opinion you can figure out how to direct and direct a good film so out of you know out of everything i learned and, and what helped me a lot the most you know yes i i got to work with some great directors and, and consult and act with you know michael bay and peter berg and and, and you know Jakob rubin and all of these legends but the military lessons that I, I, I learned while in the military, those lessons about leadership, about, about team and leadership, those two lessons, the, the, the lessons that came out of that from the military is what helped me 100%. So many of those principles translates from the battlefield to the uh, film set. Makes a ton of sense. Actually, I have one of my good friends, Kenny Thomas, was in uh, Battle of Mogadishu, uh, Black Hawk yeah. Down, is you know the movie yeah. made about it. And I learned from him uh, two things that I will always repeat and give him credit for. Obviously, yeah. Mission Men Me is not him, but I learned it from him, and it makes so much sense as a leader. Yeah. The missions. If we decided the mission's important, all right, that's what we're after. Then the next thing is 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 the men and the women yeah. and me. Yeah. Like, but yeah. I got to put myself last in order to, yes. to accomplish the mission and make sure everyone's taken care of. Big right. servant leader lesson. The other one he said, he's given me the best definition of leadership I've ever heard. And he said to me, Nick, leadership is the example you set for the people you serve. Yeah, I was like, oof, that, yes, you got it. Okay, you're serving them. Number one, as a leader, you are serving them and yeah. you better set the example. One of the things that I have learned, um, a couple of things, people always ask me, so when, Nick, when are you going to get in some scripted stuff? And yeah. uh, thank you, know, you and I have a connection on a scripted project that I, I hope goes. I love it. Um, but I did learn also that I don't think I have any interest in directing scripted stuff. I just don't think I have the patience. I like the thing I love about docs is it's like, says it once we're done. I can move on to another conversation. Ooh, I don't, but I also love the fact that you said too, because people ask me like, so what does a director do? I'm like, 
I still don't know what a director does, but yeah. like I love it. It's just it's it's to me, it's team building. Like I'm yeah. building a team that I can rely on because the best part about this gig that I've ever had and anything I've ever done is yeah. I am inept at 99% of the skills it takes yeah. to make a film. Like yeah. I could shoot a camera, but it's not going to look like my buddies yeah. can shoot them. I exactly. can edit, it, but you're not going to want to watch it. And so exactly. I literally have to rely on people who are way more talented than me. Yeah. And it's really fun. Then you just got to yeah. clean out the bad actors, the people who, you know, who have bad, they have other motives or they don't have good attitudes or whatever else. But really, I think having failed at so many things before yeah. filmmaking is the easiest thing I've ever done because yeah. I just build good teams of people that, that could yeah. succeed without me. And then uh, I get to put my vision in. It's it's a really fun position to be in. I don't know. If, I would assume you agree. I hundred percent. It's a seal team. Like it's a seal platoon. You know, like you know, in your seal platoon, you have your OIC, who you know, in layman terms, your team leader who's in charge of the platoon. Then you have your AOIC, who's second in command. And you have your your chief, who's like, in, like the, the senior enlisted. And you have your sniper. You have your comms guy. You have your humid guy. You have your breacher. All of these guys with these specialties. And I remember going on a deployment. Uh, I won't say the year, but because it, it was like it was a crazy operation, and it was just eight of us Americans in this country. Our closest QRF was on another continent, and all of it, like I was a medic, but I was also a humid guy. I was a wolfhound operator. We had like two snipers, and we had another medic, and we had a breacher, but. We all had to be able to rely on a guy to our right and a guy to our left to do his job. And I couldn't do the job of a breacher because I wasn't a breacher. I couldn't do the job of a sniper because I wasn't a sniper. Just like guys couldn't do my job as a human guy. And a guy who wasn't a medic couldn't do my job as a human guy. Because I and my OIC, OIC, who's the director of the platoon, had to be, he wasn't, definitely wasn't doing all of those jobs. His focus was, okay, how do we accomplish this specific mission with these skill sets that are, you know, that, that I have at my disposal? And that's what it's about. It's like directing, as you said, it's a SEAL team. It's a team and you have one person and that one person makes the decisions and one person receives input. Like, And that's another good thing about that's another attribute of a good leader is the ability to take input from your specialist, from your editor, from your from your uh, uh, your your DP. Because I'm definitely not a DP, you know, from all of these people, and then create a great product. That is, that's all it is. Well, I've got more like an otter team because I didn't get SEAL training, but uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's been it's been super fun to uh, to do that. And you know, another again, just as I always, I, when people give me wisdom, I like to give it back to others. You know, yeah. uh, there's a great book called The Bezos Letters um, by Steve Anderson, and he he, he explains the principle from uh, from Jeff Bezos that Jeff says basically never hire someone you don't admire, and yeah. and I take in every aspect of your life. And so like, I truly admire my cinematographers because I can't do that. I also though, I don't admire someone to clean my studio that I don't, I, I don't hire someone I don't admire to clean clean a place for me. While yeah. I could do it and, and I would want to murder myself the whole time, like yeah. I want someone who's like really loves making sure that everything's in order, everything's in the right spot. It's gonna be ready for me to do my job. And I'm I'm glad to I'm glad to pay them for that. And the coolest thing about it is when you find someone like that, they are so happy to do it. They love it. That's what they want to do. There's believe it or not, there are accountants that are happy people if yeah. they can make the balance sheet match like yeah, there are yeah. people for every job and so you know part of it is just inexperience but don't be arrogant enough to think that just because you don't want to do something that somebody else doesn't want to do it and exactly. then 
Fire, find someone you admire that you yeah. really love the way they do it, and you're going to hire that person because then it just takes – like people always ask me, I'm sure they ask you too, how do you get so much done? It's like I actually don't do that much. I just yeah. make sure I got good people around me that are doing their jobs, and I support them. It's like a pretty simple deal, but yeah. until you – learn to let go a little bit and, and you have people who you do trust that they got your back, you know, that, that does get difficult. Um, the unexpected September 30th, we're going to share it. Um, for those of you who cannot wait, first of all, it's not announced yet. We'll, we'll share it soon, but Remy and I are going to be working on a project soon, which I'm super excited about. That is going to happen. Uh, the scripted one, maybe not. This is a documentary one, but it is going to happen. Uh, number two, if you can't wait, you want to learn more. Remy's book, uh, transformed is incredible book. Uh, really inspiring great remy is a great writer i would not i did not know that till i read his book until he wrote a script for us remy is a great writer it's a, a story you want to read and then now the unexpected comes out seven uh, september 30th watch it share it um it's really interesting how entertainment like this can literally shift you know world conversations it can it can make one person question when they were offered you know, oh, I can speed this up for you if you just pay $20,000 or a hundred. It can make one person question that. And maybe it is legit. Probably not, but maybe it is, but at least make somebody check it. And just these conversations are invaluable. So, you know, if you've got kids, watch it yourself first, see if, you know, whether you think it's appropriate for them or not. Right. So do that yourself first, but these are conversations that have to be had. Uh, Remy, it's a tough issue. Thank you for tackling it. Thank you for doing what you do. Uh, everybody watching unexpected September 30th, Follow Remy on all the socials. He's got lots of cool stuff. There's like an announcement every day. So watch it close. Uh, and then Remy, what else, man? What else can we finish with to help you out? No, I would just say, yeah, you hit on it. Every, this film is about bringing awareness. You know, I've done so many interviews over the last few weeks and talked to different people. And and the first thing that comes to mind, especially people who watch the film, I've allowed them to get a sneak peek. They always say, I didn't know. Like that happens. Like I didn't think that that happened. I didn't think that that organ harvesting is real because you know when and, and even on the human trafficking side when they hear it's a human trafficking film their mind goes to one thing which is sex trafficking which right. a lot of people don't realize that human trafficking covers a plethora i mean it covers organ harvesting it covers labor it covers you know forced marriages there's a recent story that came out about this guy this chinese guy who went to cambodia and he was blood trafficked by a gang they essentially they just kept on drawing his blood and replenishing and joining open source. It's a big article that came out recently. Vice did a story on it as well as uh, Yahoo News. So there's different facets of it. And my my goal with this film was to expose this one facet organ harvesting that, in my opinion, is grossly underlooked. It's a multi-billion dollar enterprise on the black market now and it needs to be discussed. And the last thing I'll say on that, and, and this relates to all trafficking, but, you know, for me, again, my focus is organ harvesting, so I'll kind of connect it a little bit more to organ harvesting. You know, I, I hear a lot of people say, and I've heard a lot of people say, you know, if I lived in the 1800s, I would do everything to stop slavery. I would fight the slave masters. I'd pick up guns. I'd go to war. Like, I had so many people say that. And my message to those people are, guess what? There's more people that slaves around the world today than any other time in human history. It's a $32 billion industry. 30,000 uh, people die every year in captivity. And that's just sex trafficking. That's not organ harvesting, labor, and all. That's just sex trafficking. They die from torture and disease. Uh, out of the 600 to 800,000 globally trafficked victims, 
The majority of them are women and children. This is real. And slavery is happening right under our noses every single day. And, 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 and my hopes is that people will watch this film, your film, all the other uh, films and projects that are out there that's trying to bring awareness and then engage in the fight. It's not just about entertainment. You know, we don't make these films to entertain. Yes, that's part of it, but we also make these films to educate and motivate people with truth and get them to do something. Even if it's supporting a nonprofit, even if it's, you know, learning the, the, the signs and symptoms. So if you see somebody at the airport, like the recent story, this flight attendant in Delta, who she was on a plane and she saw just something wasn't right with this little kid, this adult. It just wasn't, and she recognized the signs and symptoms. And then, you know, she reported it and come to find out that child was being dragged. So we want you all to do something. And uh, just as you say, you would do something in the Totally agreed. And, uh, you know, uh, there, Google it. You'll find plenty of organizations, plenty of people trying to do the right thing. I certainly vouch for Operation Underground Railroad. I think they're doing amazing work. You should check them out. That's one place to start. Uh, check out Remy's film, share it. And yeah, you brought up a great point. We only make these entertainment pieces so that we can trick you into watching them and learning about the issue. I mean, yeah. if we can make entertaining, you know, you don't you don't want to watch the the documentary you had to watch on sex education in tenth grade or whatever. Like, yeah. it's like we're not we're not doing that. We're making it entertaining, so you will watch it. Uh, yeah. I assure you, it's a great watch. It's entertaining. It's also too the nice thing for this one, Remy. It's a short. I mean, how long is it? I don't remember. It's yeah. not that long though. Thirty two minutes. Thirty two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, after thirty two minutes, if you you can give thirty two minutes of your life to learn more about this and share it, uh, I'll certainly be supporting September thirtieth. Remy, thanks so much for joining me again here on Nada Next, and uh, I wish you great luck with it. Thank you, brother Nick. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Hey, Nick Nanton here, and thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. I want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of this show on YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos. You have the option to be notified for occasional videos or all of them. If you're on your phone, just go into your settings and switch on notifications. Thanks for watching.